Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Oh, man, I tried, I tried to catch that one. You guys don't even know. I tried to, tried to catch something on this, this hot microphone before I hit record. I hit, I hit record a little too late. Episode 61, um, got, some, got some fun stuff going on in the background. As promised, I got my, my best friend in the whole world finally on here. Our, uh, our schedule's finally aligned. And there's going to be a lot of shit talking in this. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And uh, let me go ahead and introduce to you my best friend, Randy Tapper. Hello, everybody. Live yeah. and direct. Florida. <laughs> Make it weird. First of all, I'll tell you a story about Randy. We were, uh, Randy has no game when it comes to like hitting on the ladies. We, uh, we were at a bar one night. This is a long time ago. Yeah. This, this bartender had a, uh, had a ring on. And so this was Randy's, this is what Randy's way of kind of like breaking the ice. He goes, so is everybody here married? And the girl looked at him like he was the biggest creep and just walked off. Because I was, because I was being a creep. (laughs) Dude, Patrice O'Neill said it best. I remember when he was like, when he said he was 40 something and now he's just a creep. He just looks at, at the ladies and he's just, He's just a creep, but we got to be careful because of PC today, but yeah, he just stares. Yeah. Anyway, Randy, you're down there and, uh, you're in sunny Miami and, yeah. uh, well, I'm, Parkland, yeah, Parkland, Parkland, Florida. Now. Yeah. I was in Miami. Now I'm Parkland. Good deal. Well, here's the thing, man. You listen to, you listen to all my podcasts. You know how I roll. Everyone. Yeah. So let's, let's get it going. Ooh, that hairpiece motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hair motherfucker. If you don't know what that reference is, a couple of episodes ago, I acted like I spit into the microphone. That was on the one where I was talking about turkey suit because I needed to switch up because I was feeling all sad. And I said, that hairpiece motherfucker. That's off of Sopranos. Yeah, um, junior. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal, man. I, I mean, I'm glad we can finally get on here and kind of talk shop a little bit. Like, like I say, yeah. I don't, this ain't going to be one of those depressing ass episodes. This is a, uh, let's just let's just kind of tell the story man how did uh i'll let you tell it how do we come to meet in uh this friendship blossom over the last 25 years well i'll explain it like this i guess it started back in 1990 well we we both joined marine corps in 96 but we ended up going to the same unit in 1997 and we were in two different platoons and i didn't necessarily like you because (laughs) you were 
you were too, you were funny and I was too serious. And I remember it was raining one day and you went and there, the whole courtyard was filled with water and you put on your <laughs> you put on your dress uniform and you went slip and slide through the whole courtyard and I was so mad <laughs> and that and it's funny because on paper me and you should not be friends on paper no. like if you look like we're we're almost opposite on almost all the things but then we on on the things that matter we end up meeting in the middle so that's why we're friends but um so then we ended up a year later you got transferred to the platoon i was in and then we served those out did our deployments and then um you got out when became fireman and a cop and all that and i stayed in for another four and then we would visit each other and then we'd go to weddings and things like that and then basically just been friends for what 20 years now i love how you and skipped over all of the things we can't talk about yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah so you were really serious in the marine corps and i was just a you know i was serious when i had to be i wasn't serious all when the you time because you actually wanted wanted to make a career out of being a marine i didn't i wanted That's to right. do my four and get out so i just wanted to have fun and fuck off and that day I was doing the slip and slide across the courtyard. I had all my medals on and everything. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, well, them dudes paid me 40 bucks. They dared me to do it. So I remember when uh, I, I took my uniform off, I had to hurry up and get it to the cleaners. And I pull it out of this bag and there was a Sergeant major behind me in the cleaners and I pull it out yeah. of this bag and it was just dripping with water and mud. And he didn't say anything, dude. But he was looking at me like I was the biggest piece of shit. But that ain't the first time you've wrecked a uniform. You you wrecked a uniform again at uh, mess night when you bled all over it. Yeah. You cut your foot open. Yeah, I cut yeah, my foot open. Just... So I'm glad you brought that up so a lot of people don't know that story. So I've tried to, to sever both of my toes. Uh, once with a pressure yeah. washer with one. And one when I was stripping when I was like 20 years old and I was pouring champagne all over my nipples in the with two bottles and they, they hit together and it one of them, the bottom of the bottle fell off and went through my foot. I can't believe the officers that were there. They, they were just looking away. Like they didn't want to see it. Dude. And then I went and jumped in the river, the new river yeah. with, yeah. and that's like, it's uh, one of the dirtiest rivers in the world. It's all those, all the yeah, pigs are up river, the pig it shit is. in there. I don't know how well, I still the, have a foot. The jet fuel goes in there too, from the, uh, from the helicopter. Um, yeah. Place. And the syringes from court street and all that. So that's a, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we've had we've had tons of adventures. We've traveled all over the place. Let me stop you there. Let's talk about that, right? Because you and I, I'll let people know, we talk five to 10 times a day, every day yes. for the past, yes. I don't know, 15, 20 years. Yes. And it's not even uncommon to talk to you 10 times in a day because neither one of us do shit during the day. That's right. You, you sit at your house and play in your office and sit in your pool. Pretty much. And run your business. And I'm playing on the fucking farm all day. And then we, we figure out what's wrong with the world. We figure out how to solve all the problems and we never do anything about it, but we have all of the answers, which we're going to talk about. But I wanted to hit on that because you said, uh, you talked about the adventure and one of our conversations, we always talk, we're the same person, dude. Like you, I bust your balls because I'm like, Randy, you need to go out and get some adventure. You sit in your fucking castle down there in Miami and you don't do shit. And then in the same breath, you're like, you sit on a fucking farm and don't do anything. And yeah. so the conclusion that we came up with was that we lived so much life at such an early age. We've yes. done it all. 
There's yeah. not much we haven't experienced. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I think the I think the adrenaline and the adventure and what you we've seen. Some I guess sometimes it's bad. You get you get you experience too much, and maybe whatever that chemical in your brain it, it wears out. Endorphins. Because, and yeah, what would you call it? Endorphins. And now I could yeah, be wrong because we're two dumb bastards. Oh yeah, and it. I guess. Because now it's not impressive. I mean, we've we've done shit from crazy militaries. I mean, we were clean. in helicopters and we flew over the the pyramids. I mean, we just done every you name it. We did it. We were in literally every climate. Deserts. I had an Indian cock looking at me flying in a helicopter, oh and then God. it would try yeah. to impale me when we were fast roping into a yeah. hot LZ. You know, Lieutenant Gomez was the biggest. He was the biggest Marine that I've seen in the Marine Corps because they don't yep. normally let you be that size. I name him Mondo in my book. I was keeping his, and, his name. And, and that dude, Earl was fast roping, went down the rope first, and Gomez with, with no underwear. And this is an officer. Well, you call me Earl. So everybody down. doesn't everybody doesn't understand that. So you got to let him know you call me Earl. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so everybody listen, Earl is my okay. middle name. Randy doesn't call me Travis. He calls me Earl. Sure. Right. And most people in the military, we call each other by their last names. But I saw Travis with his shirt off and he has a tattoo on his chest that says Earl. Looks and like because Carl. I'm from New York, the name Earl just sounded so funny and Southern that I just thought it was, I've always found it funny. So I call him, I do call him Earl. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> We won't talk about so, that target that so you have was, tattooed on your low back. Uh, say what you have that target tattoo on your low back the bullseye oh. tattoo that you had covered up <laughs> shit <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but yeah i remember gomez yeah we had all yeah but yeah we had maybe that's what it is we just did too much too young and now everything just seems kind of boring i guess i don't know i don't have any i don't know just like the urge to go out and do things like we partied all our party out we we shot all our guns out. Like it's like if somebody said, "You want to go shoot guns now?" I'm like, "No, not really." Because I mean, shit, we we fired rockets and missiles and like <laughs> you ain't gonna beat. Like, what am I gonna do? Go out there with my pistol now? And shoot. <laughs> I know people I are like, I had a buddy of mine. He goes, "Hey man, can I come out to your farm and we can shoot guns?" And I'm like, oh, my God, "I don't really care about that because I've shot the biggest weapons in the world yeah, we shot many times over." And like. I know. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody else the other day. I was like, it was a punishment almost to carry the machine gun. Yes. But now, in retrospect, I would have loved to carry that thing. Like, who wouldn't want a machine gun? Now, you know, that thing didn't want. So fun to just get behind and just let it rip, dude. But I mean, if if somebody wanted to come out here with a a fucking M- M240 golf and, and let's let's yeah. roll with some machine gun rounds. I'd do that. But yeah, don't bring your pistol out to my ranch because no, get that I little shit out of here. I think we'd have to fire off some mortars to actually be impressed now. Like that or get like a, a goddamn attack helicopter. Yeah, watch, you remember? I, I'd like to see a helicopter fire. I always thought that was the be- most beautiful thing like across the desert. When you see those cobras come across and then they would light up oh, those um the um oh, the tracer rounds. And the way it would sound, the whizzing that it would make, just and it was just this line of just red. Yeah, it was. It looked like a red whip. 
going through this. And then when you would watch a tank shoot, right? The, the, you could watch it and at nighttime, you could watch it travel through the, through the night and then hit it. it, Boom. It's fucking beautiful. And uh, when, when artillery is fired, because it's always fired from behind you. You're mm. not in the military, and you don't know. So when they fire artillery, it's like mortar, it's kind of like doggy style. Firing it over your head, and you can <laughs> hear the whoop, 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 whoop. and that's kind of creepy because you could hear it, and it's fucked up because they say you don't hear the one that gets you. Yeah, I don't think you so, hear the artillery around that gets you. You don't hear the one that lands on you. You only hear the ones that pass you by. There was a colonel. And I think we've talked about this as a colonel or a base general. His wife was killed yeah, was by our, a, uh, a, a short artillery round on base. Yeah. yeah. He was the artillery battalion commander. Jesus. And one of his guns shot short and it landed on his wife's car. What are the chances of that? Pretty good if you really know what you're doing. Uh, see, <laughs> did he know what he had him guns dialed in? Did he know what he was doing? Yeah. I mean, shit, it's dangerous, though. I mean, you know, we, we joke around. I mean, but look, we lost one of our guys to a fucking short round or, um, you know, Kokluff. He died. One of our guys by friendly fire. A Russian guy. Yeah. Go, go figure. A Russian guy. And that's what we were talking about. It's like, you know, these Russian kids invading Ukraine. They don't even know. I'm not going to get on a political rant here. Yeah, but it sucks because I know how those guys are. We had a, We had a Russian kid with us, and he was one of the best yeah. dudes we had. Yeah, so it's like rough. we would. You would get along, and now these kids are out there just fighting one another. But I'm not trying to make this a military documentary or anything. But let's let's keep it fun, you know. But you know, it it is weird. But you know, you do all that shit. We went to all those countries, went to all those ports. Dude, I know what it's like. Places. You know what it's like, even after the military, right? Most people don't get to do this, and we're fortunate human beings. We talk about that all the time. How blessed we are, but. We know what it's like to go and get on a plane last minute and fly overseas somewhere to to a yeah. country, like name one, and just just to go, just to go do it and fuck around for a week or two. Yeah. And I I was talking about that in one of my last podcasts where I had that kid. He he had no desire to leave South Carolina, and I'm like, I don't I don't a, understand that mentality. There's a whole world out now. I don't have any desire to leave it anymore because I've been every fucking where, but. I would think if, if you've never been anywhere, and maybe it's scary for a lot of people. I don't know. Um, it might be. My mother never wanted to leave the country. Uh, she she was scared to leave the country. Some people some people just don't like it. We're you know we had more adventure. But as I, as we get older, you're we both cocoon in a sense. I cocoon in my house. You cocoon on your farm, and we just we just make our cocoon as comfortable as possible for us. Um, but Let's I you talk- know. Let's talk about that real quick because, you know, I do, I do cover a lot of mental health stuff. Now, nobody knows me as intimately as you do. Um, so nothing comes as a surprise to you because you've had front row seats to my shit my whole life or since I've, you know, gone through all this stuff. Um, but we do talk about the isolation period and the depression and what it does to you. And we both like to eat. We're big dudes. You're like two times the size of me. But not in an unhealthy way. You're just a big boned creature. You're like a fucking mammoth. But I know, big bonky. Yeah, I mean, you house how many how many burgers do you house before you get to the real meal? I mean, I pregame like like people who drink before they go out. Like I eat before I go to dinner. It, <laughs> I could. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, I pregame. <laughs> Remember the last time we were at that Brazilian steakhouse? Those dudes were looking at us like. Are y'all still fucking eating? And I tapped out, and you're over there just 
Bring it on. Keep coming. I hear a story about Randy on my bachelor party. I remember we went to this steakhouse, this really upscale steakhouse. And before he even sat down, he just unbuckled his pants. This is a really nice place. Just completely unbuckled, unzipped his fly, opened his pants up, and was like, all right, let's do it. And the staff was like, who are these trashy motherfuckers? That's how that's how classy I am. I unbuckled my my drawers and I'm in one of the nicest downtown restaurants you had. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Your drawers got holes in them right now. Man, it's like ass. Yeah, but no, it's you know, like like we were talking about, like uh, you know, we t- you talk about how we talk, and I remember, you know, a lot of people. You you tell you, I'll give it to you on this podcast because you tell people. I don't tell a lot of people my stuff, but you opened up your and you never really used to, but you use what you what happened to you and you use your life as a story to help other people, and that's good because I remember because all these stories you talk about and all this dark time of your life. I remember it because I was on the other end of the phone of that. I was on the other end watching you go through that. And I was the guy, like when you were drinking, you know, there were, there were times when, when you were drinking so heavily and just passing out and never, and not that I was enabling you, but I was just helplessly kind of standing by watching it. Cause there's not much you can do until somebody wants to help themselves kind of thing. But It'd be plenty of times, dude, you'd, you'd drive, like when you were trying to, uh, like I remember when, when, when the fire department was coming to an end and your mind was kind of, you were real in a real dark spot and you started doing comedy and that was the only joy you had. That was the only time you had like, like life in you because you were angry a lot and that was the only time you were happy. You know, it's that sad clown kind of thing and you would drive hours to these shows and they would, you know, and it, you know, of course, like when you're climbing up the ladder of any kind of business, you're at the bottom rung of comedy, of course it's disrespectful and you're not getting paid much. And sometimes you drive three hours to do a free show for five, 10 minutes just to get on. I drove stage. 10 hours I remember, to do a free show one time. Yeah. And I'm not, and, and you'd call two o'clock in the morning. I'm a dude, I work, you know, normal. And you call two, two o'clock in the morning. I'd, I'd sit there talking with you the three, four hour ride home, you know, we just, we just talk. And there was a lot of time, you know, I don't tell, I don't tell anybody. I hope you don't mind if I say it, but it was a lot of times I felt that I really thought you were going to kill yourself for a lot of times. And I, it was, like I said, it was nothing I could really do about it. And, and I know we didn't want to bring the show down or nothing like that, but I mean, it is important, but, but yeah, I, I really expected to get that phone call one day or, and I felt like somehow in a way that, you know, obviously I like talking to you, but I felt like somehow in a way that was kind of my way of helping you for all those years is just being there for you. Listen. Well, well let me let me tell you this. So when I teach my courses, right, I uh, I talk about one of the best things you can you can have for for somebody in a peer support system. And I didn't have a peer support system all those years after the fire department, when I was alone, when I was out there, you just explained it. Well, I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but since we're there, I didn't have a peer support system. You were it. And, and I teach this when I teach peer support teams all over, I'm like, the one thing you have to have, you don't have to have the answers. You have to have the availability. And that leads me back to you. There was never a time you were, 
that's back when you were actually selling houses. You were a, a real estate agent. You were out there grinding every day. You every would day. pick up your phone, no matter, I'd be in Texas heading home on, on, in a car. Yeah. They're like, Travis, why didn't you fly? Because I hated fucking people that much and I needed yeah. to be alone. It's still to this day, I prefer to drive, but I'm better about flying now. But anyway, but you would pick up the phone two, three, four o'clock in the morning and go to sleep. I'd hang up and then I'd call you again. You know, and it was, it was always that availability. And I never said this publicly, but thank you, you know, and thank you for, for being there. And I didn't realize at the time what I really had, you know, because we always laugh and joke. I have one friend in this entire world and I'm talking to him right now. And I'm, and I mean that like, I have thousands of acquaintances. I'm, I have thousands of acquaintances, but there's not one person I know that I could pick up my phone at three in the morning and I'm guaranteed hundred percent you're going to answer it. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and there was nothing, you know, I, I listen, I've read your book. I listen to your podcast. I've been to your, you know, I've been to a, a lot of the times when you go and do these talks with these places, um, especially if we got, if you have like a two week show or something, or, you know, not a show, I don't want to call it a show, but like a two week um, run, like training events. Like I'd love to go, you know, we go on those and I listen to what you talk. I listen to what you do. And I tell them, I said, man, it's important because like all these times, like even when we were in, nobody talked about feelings. Nobody talked about, not, not to get like all sensitive on it, but everybody carries that weight and nobody talked about it. Nobody mm -hmm. said anything about it. And then when you see a guy that looks like you talking about it, I think it brings a lot of credibility because Yes, these doctors and, and these professional people, counselors who come in and try to help and all that. I understand they have good hearts. But if you're trying to talk to a guy like me or a guy like you, we always have that, like, if you're not one of us, then your advice doesn't really matter as much. So it is very important to see a guy like you saying the things you're saying, teaching the things you're doing. Because it, it lets other guys like us know it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, I don't want to listen. I don't want to go, like, if I'm trying to quit drinking or something, I don't want to go listen to a person who's never drank. I want to listen to the fucking yes. drunk guy who got off of it and quit it. You know, that's who I want to hear. I want to hear the guy that has the, the credibility. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I get it. Um, man, I, there were so many things that I was thinking when you were talking. <laughs> but I don't want to bring it down. But so... What yeah. people don't know I mean, about, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What people don't know about you, and uh, I, you know, I brag on you all the time. I know because you're a very humble guy. You don't, you don't, you you don't high sign. Or you don't flaunt anything. You wear the same draws every day, same every dirty day. ass t-shirt. Um, but you, you, you have been very successful post Marine Corps. Extremely successful. Yeah. You've also been extremely broke. And I do want to talk about these things because, in in the world that I'm in, in emergency services. I had a front row seat to seeing some of the biggest financial train wrecks I've ever witnessed in my life. And I was fortunate um, that I never was a part of that train wreck. I was always, I always had a little business sense about me. I was always uh, ready to invest, not at the levels that you have. Um, but I want to talk about some of those risks here in a little bit. But before we do, I want to say this. Randy and I were sitting in a hot tub one time, just me and him. And, and actually there were two other dudes in there, but. <laughs> and it was winter time and it was it was brass and i want to say it's jars and uh they got out of the hot tub and we were sitting there 
I was still doing comedy. I was years into comedy at this point. I think I was probably up three or four years and I already had properties, right? Mm-hmm. But my only focus was comedy because it made me happy. You already spoke about that earlier. Now I'll just go ahead and publicly announce my comedy career is done. Uh, I got two more shows and I'm not doing any more. Uh, there it is. Uh, this has kind of been a, a secret that I've been kind of just sitting on for a little while because doing what I do now, it, it, it just, it, it's taken over what I do and I, and I love it. I, it's, it's more meaningful. Nobody gets offended by this. Nothing worse than me working real hard for 15 years to be the best that I can be at making people laugh and have a good time. And then somebody gets offended because of some shit you said and they complain and they make a big deal. And it's like, now you want to murder them and their family and their dog and burn your fucking car and your house. And I don't like feeling like that anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm taking my hat off. I'm bowing out of comedy and I'm doing what I do now. I'm just teaching my courses, post-traumatic purpose. I'm doing uh, keynote presentation stuff, but we're sitting in that hot tub. You know what I'm about to say? Yeah. And you looked at me because you really were doing very well at the time. And we might have been 30 or 31. Yeah. And you were, you were actually doing extremely well. And you looked at me and you go, Earl, what are you going to do when you turn around and you're 40 years old? Do you still want to be doing this shit? Because what you were trying to do is offer me a hand up into your business. And I'll go ahead and publicly say this. I've watched you take people's lives and change them for the better. I've watched you turn a Napa auto parts salesman into, uh, he's probably a millionaire now. I mean, but you know what I'm saying? And multiple times I watched you do this. And at that point in my life, I I didn't want money. I wanted happiness. Remember that? Yeah. Well, you were defiant too. I was extremely defiant. You still are. (laughs) (laughs) I believe in you do what you got to do. But I want to talk about your journey because this isn't all about me. I want to talk about you get out of the Marine Corps, all right? You do eight years, something like that. And then you go into real estate. You go into real estate. Tell the story. I was, uh, when we did our first four years together, and then after that, I went into um, kind of training commands. Like I left the infantry. I was still an infantryman, but I wasn't in uh, what they call a line unit, which is a deployable, uh, you know, hardcore infantry unit. Like I was out of that. I was more into the, to the train, like to take a break kind of side. So what it did was it allowed me to have a side job I was a manager uh, at one of the local strip clubs. I started off as a bouncer and then, you know, worked my way, became the manager there. So I I was kind of learning a nightclub business. And then I was also getting into real estate um, investing because I knew at that point, because I had about six years or seven, six years in, give or take. And I knew I was like, okay, I'm getting older. This is really taking a toll on my body and my mind. I can't do this forever. I don't want to, you know, so I knew I had to start planning my future now. So the nightclub stuff was just to get money in my pocket. Um, but I knew I needed a business model. So I started to get into real estate. I got into real estate investing. Uh, this was at a time where it was very easy to get property. It was so, um, I no, you're humble. I'm, I'm going to stop you. You're humble as fuck. You're not going to say this. So I'm going to say it for you. How old were you at that time? 21, 22, maybe. So give or take 22, 23 years old. Yeah. And I want people to understand the mind that I'm talking to here. Because I, I'm going to say it for you. You probably won't, won't like it. But at 21, 22, you had, what, 20-something properties? 
I, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of property. I was making a lot of money while I was in the Marine Corps. And they uh, thought you were dealing buddies, drugs. They thought that I got investigated. They thought I was dealing drugs. Hang That's on. Do right. you remember when I came to see you, you made me you shave my asshole in the shower. <laughs> do you remember? Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's funny. I don't know but if yeah. you want to expand on that, but I remember I, you had a Corvette, you had a, um, um, a, 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 a ninja bike or something. You were living in the barracks. And all I remember about that was you handed me a bottle of shampoo. You go shave your asshole with this. It won't itch as bad. And so I went in there and shaved it up. You can, you can talk about what we were doing or not. Well, we can leave good. it for people to think. All right. Well, this is a part, I guess, that isn't in my book, but this, I, I wasn't always a, you know, a mountain of 325 pounds of muscle. I was a trimmed up 21 uh, year old Marine at that time. So I was very fit and I would dip down to Myrtle Beach and work at the Chippendales Club. Sadio. Sadio. Uh, I would work <laughs> at the Chippendales Club and, uh, while all the other guys were out there just trying to get laid, I was there for business and I was making my money and I was taking that money and using it as down payments. Um, so I would work Monday through Friday at the strip club in Jacksonville as the manager. And then Saturday, uh, Friday night and Saturday, I was down in Myrtle Beach, Chippendale and, and Earl came to town one day to visit me. And I was like, I'm putting you on stage. You're gonna make this money. But you ended up not going with me that night down there. But, yeah. After so I shaved my wondering. asshole for you. It, you I know, it's up... funny because you came, you came to my room, like, and I, <laughs> I was sitting there. I had a, I turned that barracks room into an apartment. I had like a couch. I had a king size bed in there. Like none of the stuff in there was military. I had like a little refrigerator. It looked like a little bachelor apartment. And you're right. Yeah. I had a Corvette and all that other stuff. And I was I was, I was making, I was making good money. And then I ended up getting into, uh, I saw an opportunity to actually buy a nightclub and I did. Um, and then, uh, it, that was a huge distraction from what should have been my main focus, which was real estate. And I got distracted because I was young. So I think by the time I was 24, I opened up a nightclub. I, I was, uh, I, I got out of the Marine Corps in December and this club opened up in January. So, I mean, I was fresh out. I had a good amount of rentals at that time. Um, so I had I had plenty of income for that. I was open up the nightclub and that was a three year roller coaster of a lifestyle I'll never want to go back to. Um, but anyway, in the end of that nightclub story was me getting basically kicked out of North Carolina um, I was getting called to the sheriff's office like weekly, like I was getting called to the principal's office. They were doing everything they could to shut me down. Got kicked out of North Carolina. Basically, they showed me the door and went bankrupt, lost it all. All right. So pause right there. All right. Because I don't want to just go through your story. I want to talk about the perseverance that, that it takes and it takes the, the, um, the mindset that it takes to invest in yourself and to just say, fuck it, I'm going to make this work. Now, <clears throat> I remember when I came to your house again, you, you didn't ask me to shave my asshole, but I, <laughs> the, the, when you actually had the, ho the house in Jacksonville that you were living in, yeah, I thought you were in a well, mansion. When, when everything was going well. Dude, and I pulled up, we're 25, you're 26 years old. 
And I pulled up and I'm like, this is your house. And then I walk in and I sit on the couch and you immediately freaked out. It was a white couch. And you're like, get off that couch. That couch is just for looks. That couch was five grand. And I was like, what? And I was blown away. And um, it was just funny because you know me, I've never been like, like a person that's impressed with money, but at a young age, seeing you have that, I was like, man, this dude's the same age as me. Like, how's he doing this? Yeah, that, that was the problem. Yeah, Every, everybody, that's the problem with Sheriff, all these people, um, the the higher command in the Marine Corps. Um, and I'm not talking bad about the Marine Corps, and I'm not even talking bad about this Sheriff. But you got a New York guy down in North Carolina, and nobody, nobody really believed it was just me putting in the work to make it happen. That's all it was. It was shaking your, your ass. And invest in I did your- what I had to do to make it work. And yeah. So yeah. I th- at, and then at 29 years old, boom, it was uh, the, the state came in and shut me down, put that lawsuit, got every just bankrupt, gone, everything. Had to, had to sell the houses, had to sell all my investments, had to turn my motorcycles in, had to turn my cars in. Everything I had, everything I built, everything just just wiped. And it, and this is a part that is very familiar with a lot of people. My identity of who I was as a man, because a man puts his identity into his business. Police officers, Marines, firemen. When they introduce themselves, they introduce them like a cop is a cop. You know what I mean? I like, don't know. That's who he is. That's not his job. A fireman is a fireman. That is who they are. And my identity was taken away from me. I was, it wasn't the money that crushed me. It was the, it was, I felt that, I don't know if y'all can hear that woodpecker on my house. This is crazy. But I felt like somebody, I felt violated. Like they took my identity from me and all those years of work, all those years of sacrifice, all those years of investing. So I was broken. I was depressed. And I, it, it took me a year. Um, I left North Carolina, came to Virginia Beach. You were married, right? I was married. And, and I was a, a miserable motherfucker to be around. And as a married uh, husband who just went through all of that, you got all that shit. There's something, it does something to your dignity and it does something to your pride. You know? Oh, I yeah, I was embarrassed. Yeah, it, yeah, because you it it's like you know it's like when when you weren't allowed to be a fireman anymore. They, I mean, you yes, what you did, but in a sense, it was taken from you, and you didn't get to say, "Oh, I'm going to retire." You were retired. Yeah, they you, did you it for me. <laughs> they did, they it, did for it for me. you, and I didn't say, "Oh, I'm going to get out of the club business." I was retired. No. I was kicked out of North Carolina. I'm not joking when I say that. I wasn't allowed back in North Carolina for like seven years. Now let's stop because, and I have to stop you because you're a talker and it's not me yeah. trying to be rude, but I, I got a good nope. valid point. Looking back at your life, and I try to tell people this all the time, when you get kicked in the nuts, it sucks yeah. then. Every time I've been kicked in the nuts like that, I look back years later in my life, I am exactly where I need to be because that was the universe directing me. Now you wouldn't be where you are right now 
in life That's had right. that event not happened. That's right. And at the time of it happening, all I wanted to do was save it, save it, save it. Now, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you want that? I'd be like, are you kidding? I would never even want, take away all the trouble that came with it. And somebody offered me that lifestyle with no trouble. I wouldn't even entertain the thought of that. I would not, I would never want to go back to that or backwards in life. But at the time I was crushed. I was crushed for a year. And then I decided to get back into real estate when I moved to Virginia Beach. I, I, I said, just go be an agent, start from the bottom, work it back up. And that's what I did. And I just, and I gave that everything I had. And I can speak on that. I, 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 I did. You were around. I, I, I worked my thirties, you know, I would come to lot. see you and I remember the old days of you hustling. You would go to Lowe's, you would go to Home Depot, and you would walk around and you would look for people doing stuff at, for their homes and you would hand them a business card. I'm talking old school. You'd introduce yourself, let them know if you could help. You grinded and you were able to amass over the years an empire of real estate sales. And you brought me onto your team when I was working the road and I was, <clears throat> I, I don't even know kind of what I did. I mean, at the time you were you making, were good on you were good on the phone. You were very yeah. good at talking to people. So but you, you would were take the calls and get them to the lender. You had so much business coming in that you you being on the phone was costing you money and and time. Yeah. So I had nothing to do when I was traveling. So I was handling all of your calls, and we worked out obviously an agreement. But what that afforded me to do an opportunity to do it gave me an inside look into real estate from a different angle for years. And then I was able to obviously do what I did later, but I want to talk about how I was able to, well, first we'll tell the story. Randy's a very giving man. So I remember one day I was up there and we, <laughs> I made you $20,000 in one day. And that day it might've yeah, been, it might've been 22. But it was from yeah. two calls that I took that day that I converted That's them to qualified day. buyers. We got them in the car that day. You you got them signed. They didn't close, but you got them under contract that day. Yeah. So Randy takes me to dinner. We go to Hibachi, and I'm sitting there. I get the steak and shrimp and uh, chicken, and he goes, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and get extra rice tonight? Yeah, this you motherfucker. Get, you get extra rice. <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> You, you hairpiece uh, motherfucker. Funny. You hairpiece motherfucker. Yes, because you know I know where every penny goes. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. We yeah we joke about that. Randy can squeeze that dollar, but you know, oh. but it was it was cool, man. I got I got front row seats to it, and I got to watch you know other friends of ours become very extremely successful human beings by yeah. following your lead. And I know you don't you don't openly say that but you have a you, your book you know i want you i want to talk about your book that you wrote and your book pretty much talks about that it's like look have the balls to do something versus do something, do something. now talk yeah. talk about your book talk about why you wrote that and then well there's one there's one part of that 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 i like to remind people is it's called don't get stuck at the starting line a lot of people want to do something they want to change their life they have all the intention and they get stuck at the starting line and i think the reason they get stuck is because they don't know the difference between advice and opinion 
And what happens is when you're something and you start and you want to be something else, you are surrounding yourself with the people in the situation that you're in now. And you're not surrounding yourself with people who are doing the thing that you want to be doing. And there's the problem. You're seeking advice from people who can only give you an opinion. And when people don't have the enough knowledge in a subject to give you creative opinions, they tend to break it down and they tend to kind of shit on it because that's the only way they know how to help. And you, you're you now seeking the wrong counsel. Um, and that's why a lot of people get stuck at the starting line. Um, but where were we going with that? Uh, you know, I don't know. My mind's all over the place because I was looking at your book. And, and you know, it, it's if you want to look up Randy's book, it's called Why Rent? And, you know, it's not a novel or anything. And it's, it's, it's the meat and potatoes of, hey, have the balls to do something. You don't have to have all of the answers in front of you um, to be to go out and secure real estate, all you really need to do is stop doing dumb shit and stop wasting your money. Cause real estate, you know, we could talk about this all day and all day. I, I absolutely, I, I loved when we get to talk about it because you know what, we were talking about it today and I was like, you know, I never did a real estate deal that bust that went wrong for me. You know, I've done not as many as you obviously, but it's such a safe play. And so many people it's have all just, of the excuses um, as to um, why they, they have excuses as to why they can't go do it and they'll make, well, I don't have money. I don't have time this and that, but you got money for fucking cigarettes. You got money for beer every weekend. You got money for an yep. iPhone fucking 50. That's not even that's out right. yet. You know, you're investing in all this it, other bullshit. You're worried about the fucking car that you drive, which is I'm getting passionate, that's, here, which is that's the biggest thing. what I want to talk to firefighters and cops about every, I go by fire stations and I, I see it all the time. I see brand new big jacked up trucks yeah. and I know what these motherfuckers make. Cause I used to be one and I had the big jack up truck yeah, or more, more concerned with how you look than, but that boils down to discipline. And I think, I think a lot of discipline I have, and clearly the discipline you have with money, this is, these are Marine Corps, you know, ethics that are built in us that we always put the mission first. And, and the mission is whatever it is you're going after. And then in the Marine Corps, they say mission first, troop welfare second. Troop welfare means the, your well-being. Your happiness is not a concern to the mission. So it, having the discipline to put, when I, went, when I went bankrupt and I went broke, I stopped eating at restaurants. I stopped smoking. I smoked my entire life. I smoked. I quit smoking. Cigarettes were unnecessary. I drank water. I pinched any penny I could and any dollar, I knew a dollar today was worth 10 tomorrow. So I had to have the discipline to not have live a life of mediocre comforts to purposely take care of, you know, mission first, take care of that, take care of that future. And that's, that's, that's what I did. I would put my money and you did the same thing. You would, you were not careful. You you were careful to not spend your money on stupid shit and put it. And that's how you had it. You built up enough money to start flipping your own houses. But you I, you, knew, you knew the recipe. The recipe is simple. You know what's funny is as you're sitting here telling. I mean, I could talk for hours on stories that we have, but Randy's serious when he tells you he he was cutting any corner. I remember going to his house 
and you had to hand wash the dishes. He would not let you run the dishwasher because it used yeah. water and electricity. And so we had to hand wash. Water had to be off while you were washing the dish. That's right. That's exactly right. It's funny. Um, Yeah. Turn lights off. Yeah. But hey, that goes back. I had to do what I had to do. I I had to do what I had to do. So I want I want to kind of refocus you here. I I was trying to talk about firefighters and cops, right? Because Mm -hmm. you know how special these people are to me. And what I hate seeing. I don't like seeing, look, I never considered those a job. Those that's a, that's a lifestyle. It's something you love to do, but unfortunately a lot of, a lot of them don't make a lot of money and it's hard to support a family. So they have to go out and work a second job. Now you and I knowing what we know now as 40 year old men, we don't believe in working for other people. Absolutely not. I'm, if I'm not making another human being another fucking dollar, I'll pay the government what I owe them, but I'm not having two fucking bosses. Right. So that's what I hate seeing you, my, my fellow first responders do is get so overextended and they, they, they do that. There's a saying that I like, it's called don't go broke trying to look rich. Now everybody wants the toys. Everybody wants that. But when you know, guys are driving these big jacked up trucks with what they cost in fuel and that the payments and all that, and with their salary, you're living in an apartment. You're not setting yourself up for future success because one day you're not going to be a 25 year old fireman. One day you're going to be a 45 year old fireman married with kids. And so what you do in your twenties is going to pay exponentially when you're in your forties. So you got to cut that bullshit out now. So you'll be out of that fucking apartment and you'll be able to be comfortably living in a home with your family. You're bringing up a good point. And, you know, when I was selling, when I was selling houses, I was in, you know, Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, which is heavy military. Almost, almost every client of mine was military people. And as, as being their real estate agent, I had a very, very detailed look into their finances and how they spend their money. And the problem is like guys like us, you know, we're regular dudes. We're, you know, we're blue collar dudes. And military cop, firemen, they all treat money the same. They do the job first. Unfortunately, it doesn't, it's, you're not going to get rich being a military man. You're not going to be rich being a fireman. You used to have a joke that it was something about that $30,000 paycheck that girls, you know, you, you, firemen will steal your girl, but that paycheck will send them right back to their man. Yep. You know, we used to joke about it, but the, the fact is, just because you do a job you're passionate about does not mean you can't handle your business outside. And I was talking to Earl about this today I was, uh, or yesterday. I was saying, wouldn't it be great to be a fireman and you, you have enough investments to where you go to work basically because you want to, not because you have to. So, yes, you're still getting paid, but it's almost like you're volunteering your time to be a fireman. You're not going because if you don't go, you can, you can't pay your bills. And I see a lot of people, military cop, my, you know, my family were police um, that whenever they would get side work, they would always choose jobs. They would always do work. So you basically just made yourself an employee twice. Whenever I talk to people about investing, I always ask them, you know, you know, when we get into discussion of money and how do you, they always, Whenever I ask them, how do you get more? 
they always say, well, I need to get a raise or I need to win the lottery or some, or I need to, you know, I need to do another job. They never say I need to put my money to work for me because money works 24 hours a day, seven days a week without a lunch break. They go out and become carpenters on the side or mow lawns and stuff like that. But all you're doing is earning money and you're limited. You're one person. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's a limit to how much you can earn, but there's unlimited to how much you can make. And that's what I like to teach people how to make uh, money. And it's, it's a snowball effect. And you know what's funny, Earl? I've been doing this for 22 years and I've been telling people and I tell people all the time and only a handful of people even listen to me. And the ones who do, great, it worked out for them. But everybody doesn't want to do it because in the beginning, it's so small. And But if you have to consider, it's like the snowball. Yes, it's small in the beginning, but as it, it grows over time. And there's more I could get into it. But the, the, the point of this is, is think bigger and think, think smarter than just doing what you've seen the guy above you do. I, you know... I grew up in, you know, my, my uncle was a cop and he did carpentry on the side. And if I fell into the NYPD and I would have probably been a cop and done carpentry on the side because that's what I was taught because nobody told me any differently. But I'm telling you now, and anybody hearing this doesn't get to say you weren't told. You don't have to do that. You can build an actual business and then go be a cop, go be a fireman, go be EMS, go do those jobs because you love them, not because you have to. Man, it's, you're right. We could talk, and maybe that's another episode down the line. We could talk all day on that shit. But, yeah. you know, we were talking about earlier how, um, you know, you got to be so careful because we're not diminishing anything. But when you go out and actually work for money and work a job, yeah. If you look at the way the government is set up, not to get into this, this, this conspiracy theory, but we are all slaves to the government. That's what we are. And we're told, we, you were talking about this today when we're in school, we are indoctrinated at the earliest ages on how to make sure that we're all good employees. They, because if everybody was a successful business owner, if everybody was a successful entrepreneur, there'd be nobody doing the work, right? So they need so many worker bees and so many ants carrying the fucking load. And they start that indoctrination when we're young and we become, what happens is if you don't break that mold and get out of that mindset, you become a slave to the system. And now you're just, you're financially um, enslaved to the system because you are, you're beat down with credit cards. You know, we talked about this. I don't carry credit card debt and I get punished for it. I'll look and in your score will dip sometimes if you don't use your credit cards because they need you spending money. And if you're spending money, guess what you're I doing? Mean, you're a consumer. Hang tight. You're a consumer, right? And then now you have to go out. Oh, I need another job. I got to work more hours. And then what happens when you do that? Your paycheck is taken. It's squandered away by the fucking government. So would you rather go out and work well, your ass off? You. Hang on, bro. You <laughs> Would you rather go out and work your ass off an extra 40, 50 hours a week, or you just said it, would you rather that 40 or 50 hours a week, you're doing what you enjoy and your money is doing that work for you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And, you know, and the term slavery 
really has nothing to do with people itself. It more has to do with the who you owe. And if you look back, you know, five, 8,000 years, Middle Eastern biblical history of, of, of money and things like that, if you owed somebody a debt and you couldn't pay it, you were, you were uh, enslaved to them. And it didn't mean that they owned you in a sense. It means you were enslaved to them until your debt was paid off. Yep. And they said that almost all merchants, store owners, were all slaves to somebody. You could be a very successful person and still be a slave in those times. And the, the, when, when, whenever you go in debt, you are now working to pay off your debt. So that, that's, I'm just not a big fan of that. And um, credit cards, easy, you know, the easiness of credit now, your credit card is the biggest thing holding you back because you're going to spend it now. You're going to go to work tomorrow to pay for something you had yesterday. It, but again, we could delve into a, a financial, we could delve into a financial responsibility mindset later, but, you know, we want to keep this one light for now. Uh, but I just wanted to tell people, especially people in these services, that you don't have to look at us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I got D's in school. I'm not a smart man. I didn't pass class. We joke all the time because I spent grade one through five in special ed. I was you know, wondering and, if you were going to say it. I, I, <laughs> first through fifth grade, I was in special ed. I had a, I could not sit still. I wouldn't pay attention. So they, I had no real education. Everything so, I learned, I had to learn by doing. So hang on. So that's important because my wife's school teacher. And so I hear it all the time. The most important years for our minds developing is obviously in elementary school. Your elementary school, they did away with you because you couldn't sit still or whatever, and you were disruptive. So they put you in a special ed class. So you didn't get to learn what all the other kids were learning. So fast forward, how did that, you know, pushing through middle school, high school, you're just at that point, you get pushed through the system, right? On paper, you're not supposed to be successful like you are. On paper, I am not supposed to be financially successful. I was second to bottom of my class of 200. The reason... I don't try. I'm not trying to say, well, I know what you're saying, but the reason is because we believed in ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's it. And we followed, we followed the, the paths that most people like us do. We knew we were not college material. We, we, I wouldn't get accepted into a college. So of course, where do we go? We're going to the military, but you know, just because we didn't do the traditional, you know, good grades in school and land the good job, it forced us to fend for ourselves in a way. And then I'm in, in retrospect, I'm glad I don't have the good job because why would I put all of my talents into making somebody else money? It, when you sit back and look at it that way, it, it, it doesn't make sense. So well, then you're you know, giving I'm other people I didn't do that. Yeah, when you get that great job, now guess what that great job has over you? Leverage and control. And you fear losing that great job one day. And then you get so specialized that you can't do anything else. I had a guy who's now in my company, a real estate agent. He worked, um, he was the finance manager for a car dealership. And he was there like 15 plus years. And they just walked in one day and said, today's your last 
last day. That's it. Because they can hire some kid to do the job for half the money. I remember when that happened. There's no loyalty in that. I remember when that happened, and that that? was the biggest kick in the balls for him. And I told you, I go, he doesn't even realize that was the biggest favor they ever did, somebody ever did for him. And he got turned on to you. And now, now look at what, now look at him. Now, yeah, now look at him. He wouldn't take that job back now. Of course not. I think there's a delay in our, you know, but that was. There's a delay? Yeah, I think there's a delay because we're walking on each other here. So I just want to go ahead and that or we're both alpha. Well, I I talk over you all the time. Well, I was actually (laughs) texting you a minute ago and I go, no, I'm not going to do that because you told me earlier, hey, make sure I don't walk all over you when we record today. And I was texting you like, hey, dude, talking over. But you're passionate. I get it. I know. I know. Shave your asshole. I am. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but what other topics you want to talk about? So we thought we dipped into the finance. We dipped into that a little bit. You, you know, I think the biggest thing. your life. Don't feel sorry. For you. you know, you know me, man. And I don't like fucking, I don't like haters there's nothing you can do but what i think one of the things that i like to encourage people and i think a lot of people get discouraged by man they would like to get into investing in real estate they would love to go flip a house they would but you know why they don't is because somebody in their fucking family knows better and they'll fucking say something to them and they'll they won't do it case in point we were about to sell a home to miss carolyn i'll never forget this lady you had her you were she was about ready to sign she had an inheritance the best thing she could do with her money is buy her home. We're standing there. Her fucking yes. uncle calls, ask what she's doing. She says, I'm sitting here with the real estate agent. This motherfucker talks her out of that. Talks her out of it because of it. he knows best. And people, I tell people all the time. He didn't even own Don't listen to motherfuckers who don't have experience. If you don't have experience in flipping a house, don't tell me about flipping a house. If you don't have experience in shaving your asshole, don't tell me how to shave your asshole. Yeah. Why take it? Why, why she listened to somebody who rented, let her talk her, let him talk her out of buying a house because, well, I mean, in that exact situation, he just wanted to get some of her money, but people do it all the time. They, they seek counsel from the wrong people. Look, if, I, if I'm trying to learn a skill, if I want to learn how to play the piano, I find a piano teacher. You have to find the person who does the thing you want to do. I'm not going to ask somebody who has no experience in that field to give me advice on something they don't even know about. You know, if somebody owns one rental property, you're like, oh, I hate real estate. and Oh, this is terrible. Well, you're not an expert. You have one property. Your opinion is limited so a hundred percent of your advice is tied into one house. That's not that's not advice. That's you don't have enough experience. Talk to somebody who does it hundreds of times. Then you have a then you rate to have an opinion. When I always you, like you, you know we used to call in the military subject matter expert. Find subject matter experts. One one thing I liked is uh when I was flipping houses, people would tell me, you know, they'd see me they're like yeah, I'm, I'm going to start flipping houses. And, and, and I'm like, dude, you can't do it just because you watch TV. Too many people watch fucking TV. They end up getting their dicks knocked in the dirt because it's not, that shit ain't like real TV, dude. It's, or it's not like TV, I should say. That's it's a 30, not. That's a 30 minute uh, commercial for Home Depot. 
that that's all that is it's it's not like that so if that's you're all that is yeah. <laughs> you got to know what the fuck you're getting into because yeah. you can get your ass in a bind um i don't know man i feel like we've covered shit i hit my thing we could we covered a lot and we could go into so much man you know what i would i think would be fun is stories dude but that's that's one thing we've we've both agreed on we just can't it's uh, <laughs> we i always tell i always I know, tell Randy, we will i'm like when you die i gotta throw my phone away because now i got nobody left to call like I don't talk to anybody ex- except you and, and my dad. It's crazy, dude. Some of the best things that have ever happened. Can't even talk about them. Yeah. Whatever. We've lived a good life, man. And it is what it is. <laughs> there's more time. There's more. There's more to come. I do. I do think there's a delay in this and I don't, I hope that we don't have a problem uploading it. So I don't want to carry this on too long. Um, but yeah, go check out Randy's book, Why Rent. You can get it on Amazon. Now, Randy, he's not a guy that he didn't write that to to publish it as far, like I did. Like when I put mine out there, put it for the universe. Randy's is on there. Um, but what Randy does is he carries a stack of them with him. And when he finds people that are interested in learning, he hands it to them and he does that. So yeah. go check it out. Um That's only five dollars. Yeah, it's I don't do it to make money. No, I'd give, I'd, I'd give them away. Only have them on Amazon because they print them and mail them. Um, yeah. But you're right. It, it, it's five bucks. Go change your life. And I'm not hard to find. Call me if you need anything. Yeah, it's on, um, you know, find you, him on. If you, um, if you get the book, if you want to talk to me, call me. Find him on Instagram, Randy Tappen at Cova. Home, is it Home Realty? I think it's Randy Tappen. I'm the only Randy Tappen, R-A-N-D-Y-T-A-P-P-E-N. I think I'm the only Randy Tappen in the world because I'm not hard to find. Well, I'll put it on there, man. We'll, uh, Just Google it. I'll call you here in a minute. But uh, thank everybody for listening. Hope the delay right. is not uh, not severe on here. Yeah. Hopefully, we can get this thing fixed out. Yes. Yes, son. Well, I appreciate it. I do appreciate uh But, yeah, we'll, we'll do more of these and – I appreciate what you're doing even with this podcast for everybody. And I know it works. I've been there. I've seen people come up to you um, and tell you that it helps, tell you that your book helps, tell you that your classes help. You know, I'm not over here just tickling balls. This shit is necessary. These, you talked about it, the leadership, you know, now that we're older, you know, we focus more on that leadership style too. And yes, if you're in a leadership position, you owe it to your people to get them training, to get them to do things like this. Um, because it's not a natural thing to do. Somebody has to do it. Yeah, and real so quick, you know. Earl for Travis House for doing it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure, man. And it's uh, on the 21st, I'll be in Orlando. I'm heading down. So the day that this comes out, I'll be in Orlando, Florida, getting ready to speak to the Reedy Creek Fire Department. Um, actually, I'm speaking to them on the 22nd, but I'm in town on the 21st. And then on the 24th, I'll be heading up to Prince William County, Virginia, where I'm speaking in Manassas, Virginia, to uh, area first responders on the 25th and the 26th. So if you're in those areas and you want to come out, shoot me a message, let me know. We'll be seeing you soon. Y'all uh, go find my buddy Randy Tappen, follow him. He's a good dude. We'll see y'all later.